for the sermon. God, thanks so much for this awesome day. Thanks so much for the opportunity we have to come together and just worship you. We pray, dear God, that we would not only hear your word this morning, but we would apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 50, it says this. The next day, John was there with two of his disciples. When they saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael. And told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. I always... The first time I read that and every time I read it after, that it, what an amazing experience it would be to have God, the Son of God, say that about you. Okay, you walk up and he says, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you you were under a fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Have you ever decided to buy something or to go somewhere on the recommendation of another person? Right? Think about that. Have you ever decided to buy something or to go somewhere on the recommendation of another person? Say someone goes on vacation. They, they just love this vacation. They went to this island or they went to Disney World or they went somewhere. And they're like, you have got to go. It was the best vacation we were ever. It was so good. Everything was inclusive. You should go. Right. Or they went to a movie last night and they're like, oh, this movie was right. It was awesome. It was I know the kind of movies you like. This is the kind of movie you're going to want to see. You have to go and see this movie. It was just amazing. I think that we are more likely to try something recommended by someone that we know and that we trust over, say, a person you don't know, like a telemarketer. Am I right? Right. I think there's a better chance that you're going to take the recommendation of a friend 
when it comes to what you're going to buy or what you want to see or where you want to go over someone that you don't really know at all. If, if you were thinking about investing, for example, you want to, you're going to do some investing. I think that you would take the recommendation of a good friend that you've known and trusted for years over, say, someone who online sends you an email to, you know, from another country that tells you they have a, they have a whole bucket of diamonds and they're just trying to get them out of the country. And there's nothing wrong with this thing. And if you just send them $20,000, they'll go half with you. The diamonds are worth $4.5 million and you'll be rich overnight. I think you're going to take the recommendation of the friend that you know who has some good stock options or whatever else over the guy who from another country sends you a spam email and tells you he's going to make you just rich. This is a great investment. This is just an incredible investment that you're not going to want to miss. Okay? As our story opens, we find John with his two disciples. And what John does, first thing John does, he sees Jesus walking and he turns his disciples' attention to Jesus. And he says, look, the Lamb of God. So he focuses, he takes the focus off of himself and he puts the focus on Jesus and he says in a loud voice, look, the Lamb of God. So what do these disciples of John do? They, they go after Jesus. They leave John and they go after Jesus. Now, there are some key truths that we can learn from this passage. One is, what does it mean to be a disciple? Okay, what is a disciple? And the other is, what is a follower of Jesus Christ? If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, what does that mean? How do we become a follower of Jesus? Now, this part is significant to the story. These guys didn't just drop everything, okay, on a whim and start to follow Jesus. It wasn't like they were standing there and this guy walks by and they thought, man, we got nothing better to do. Some guy in the bar told me that we should check this guy out, whatever. They didn't drop their, they didn't drop everything on a whim and begin to follow Jesus. It was based upon the testimony, okay, of someone they knew and trusted. The recommendation of someone they knew and they trusted John, who they were, they were followers of John. When they, when they, when they were going to leave John and follow Jesus, they did it because of the relationship that they had with him. They trusted him. He recommended that they do it. And so they did it because they had that relationship. One of John's two disciples who followed after Jesus was Andrew. Okay? Andrew. So what does, what is the first thing that Andrew does? Andrew goes and finds the person that's most important to him, which is his brother, Simon, who is Peter. All right. So he goes and he finds Peter. Now, Simon, who becomes Peter, is one of the most powerful forces in the early church. So John, okay, says, look, the Lamb of God, Andrew, following his, basically his rabbi at that time, he was a follower of John. John says, go do this. Andrew goes and does it. Then, so he's recommended, Andrew takes the recommendation of John, then Andrew goes out and finds his brother Peter and says, you've got to come over here. We've been searching. This is the guy we've been searching for. Think about it. Simon was willing to consider getting to know Jesus 
and turning and following Jesus after Jesus because of the witness of his brother Andrew. Someone he knew, someone that he trusted, someone he had a relationship with. Andrew finds out, he runs and gets Peter. Peter comes over and he begins to follow Jesus as well. And there's another example of this. After meeting Jesus and turning to follow him, Philip goes and gets Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel isn't all jazzed up about going to meet Jesus, okay, because of where Jesus is from. He First thing, Philip comes to him and says, we have found is Jesus of now, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel's first reaction is, what good can come out of Nazareth? Okay, you, you've got to be missing something here. This can't be the Messiah. So he's not all jazzed up to go and follow after Jesus. Nathaniel's not like, oh, man, this is what I've been waiting for all of my life to follow some guy from Nazareth. But he decides to accept Philip's invitation. Why? Why does he decide to accept Philip's invitation? Because of the relationship, the trusting relationship that he has with Philip. That overrides his decision not to go and follow after Jesus. What good can come out of Nazareth? But you know what? Because you're saying it, because I have a relationship, because I trust you, because of what we've been through together, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. His concerns about where Jesus is from and the things he had in his mind and heart are overridden by his relationship with Philip. Philip says it, he tries it. My good friend Patty was really the first person when it, in New York, and I grew up most of my life there until I moved to Ohio, but my good friend Patty invited me to church for the first time. And I went because Patty invited me. It was Patty. I have been invited by other people throughout my life in the past. When I lived in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, some woman came up to me when I was sitting on the boardwalk, looking at the ocean, minding my own business, and started talking about this Jesus thing. And I was like, oh, lady, you are nuts. Would you get out of my face? Really? That's what I was thinking. This lady is crazy. You know what I mean? I didn't know her. I had no relationship with her. She starts talking about God and about Jesus. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the seagulls. I'm flying a kite. Let go away. Right? All throughout, I turned them down because I didn't know who they were. But when Patty, my friend, who I'd known since fourth grade, now I'm in high school, I, I was, I, I've told you this before, foul mouthed. If, if, you, if you saw me then, you wouldn't say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go up and talk to that guy about Jesus. I'm going to share the love of God with that hood. You know what I mean? It just wasn't, you weren't going to do it. But Patty loved me, knew me, and invited me. And I said yes, because of my relationship with her. Now, when John's two disciples turn to follow Jesus, Jesus intentionally turns around, stops, looks at them, and asks them, basically stops them and says, what are you looking for? What are you, what are you, he stops, you know, what are you guys looking for? Now we know that Jesus wasn't asking because he didn't know, alright? He already knew what the answer was going to be, but he asked because he wanted them to say it. He wanted them to say it, and the answer that they give him comes in the form of a question. Rabbi, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And I, and I love Jesus' answer. Basically his answer is, come and see. Come and see. Right. What he's basically saying to them is, you know, come and see for yourself, because as they as they come and see, they're going to spend the time walking with Jesus to wherever he's going to take them. And then the Bible says the two disciples spent the day with him. They spent that day with him. 
So he says, come and see, come and spend time. You're asking me a question. I want you to engage me. I want you to spend time with me. Each of us is invited to spend time with God. Every single person here is invited to spend time to get to know Jesus Christ. We, we, we get that same come and see invitation that Philip went and when he went to Nathaniel and said, hey, come and see. We had that same invitation. God gives us that invitation. We need to, as, the fo- as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be encouraging people to come and see. Not, not, you know, one thing I never really appreciated when I went to different churches or around different Christian people, um, they would sometimes use coercion or, I don't know, like emotional pleas and things that I felt like were unnecessary. I don't need an emotional plea. Emotion's great. I will use, I, I'm a passionate person. I get emotional, but I don't need to trick you, coerce you emotionally, get you charged in order for you to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. All I need you to get you to do is come and see. Spend time. Follow him. Get to know him. Because once you get to know him, you're going to find out the same thing that Philip found out and Andrew found out and Peter found out, right? All of them. You're going to find the same thing, Nathaniel. You're going to realize you, he, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to come and see. We see the same invitation to come and see from Philip to Nathaniel, from Jesus to the other, to Andrew, from Andrew to Peter. Come and see. He says, come and see. And just like Jesus said to Andrew, Philip said it to Nathaniel. And what he's saying is, come and meet him for yourself. Spend time with him yourself. Make the decision for yourself. All I need you to do, all I need you to do is take the time to invest in getting to know who this Jesus is. Here's who he said he was. Investigate it for yourself and you will come to the same conclusion. Some of the greatest theological minds of all time, okay, are followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because someone said, come and see, and they said, I'm going to put this to rest. Instead of just seriously not ignoring it or going, ah, I don't want to believe, ah, who cares? They actually took the time to investigate Jesus' claims of being a Messiah. Jesus' claims of being fully God and fully man. They actually investigated it, and they are now some of the greatest theologians of all time. Trying to prove that Jesus isn't who he said he was, they came to the realization, once they came and they saw, he is the Son of God. That's the conclusion they came to. See, in my experience, people don't reject Jesus based upon the facts. I want you to think about this. They don't, re- they don't reject Jesus Christ based upon the facts. They reject him based upon their ignorance, okay, or their pride. Hear me out. Don't get offended. Here's what I'm saying. I don't know how many times I've talked to people, and I love these people because they're honest. And I say, after sharing with them, I say, well, what, what is holding you back? And basically what they say is, listen, I don't want to go any further than this because if there is, I don't want there to be a God. Because if there is a God, okay, then I'm going to have to obey him. I'm going to have to do what God said. And I don't want to. I'm my own God. I do what I want to do. I got all these, you know, you have all these rules and whatever else. Let me just be clear for you right now. 
I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says I have freedom in Christ, which means I can do once I've given my heart and life to Jesus Christ, I can do anything I want for the rest of my life. And I, my, 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 my card is stamped. Okay. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus no matter what happens for the rest of my life. You say, well, whatever. It's a fact. I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's over. That is done. I can do anything I want. Why don't I? Because I love him so much for what he's done for me. I choose not to. It isn't rules I have to go by or I'm going to go to hell. No, I'm not. I do whatever I want right now. I choose not to because I love him and I want to be obedient to him. He's my God. I love him. It's awesome. Keeps me out of trouble. I mean, honestly, leads me in the way I should go. Taught me how to be a father. Taught me how to be a husband. Teach me how to be a grandfather. Teaching me all kinds of great things. And, and I love him for every bit of it. So that's why I'm obedient to him. It's not because I have to follow the rules or I'm going to be in big trouble. That, that ship has sailed. Theologically, that ship has sailed. So when people say that, it's a pride thing. Well, I don't want to, I don't want there to be a God because then I'll have to follow him. I'll have to do what he says. I appreciate the honesty. I really do. And I say ignorance because of this. They don't actually seek after God. Okay. They say, well, yeah, I went to church and I tried it. I tried it or I didn't, I didn't like it. And so Jesus isn't for me. Okay. It's not my thing. It's just, you know, I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not into Jesus. I'm just, I'm just not into Jesus. That's like, that's like you saying, I, I, I went to France and I, I, I was in the airport. Okay, I saw the, I saw France, I saw the airport. I was there. I, I landed. I was in France on the ground. Saw the airport. Seriously, food. Okay. Eh, not, you know, seriously, the food in France is overrated. It just is. I was in the airport. I went. I went to McDonald's. I went to all these different places. It's just the food there. They talk, oh, the food's so awesome. It's overrated. I saw the Eiffel Tower. I went into the gift shop. You see one, you've seen them all. You know what I mean? How much better can the big one be over the small one? I saw it. Listen, I'm just not into France. You guys have been there. You walked around. But I, I've been there three times in the airport. Eaten there many times. I mean, I've eaten in France many times. Overrated. Okay. Eiffel Tower. Mm, take it or leave it. I got a little globe and I shook it and everything. I saw it was like, it's like I just, I just didn't, it didn't move me. So I'm just not into France. I mean, come on. Okay. Here's the thing. You're here this morning. You started coming to church. I'm saying if you're a seeker of truth, I'm asking if you're, if you're a seeker of truth, you need to spend time with Jesus. You say, what are, what are you talking about? A seeker of truth and you spend time. What I'm saying is you need to be willing to investigate. You can't say, eh, not into him. That didn't really do anything for me. You, you, you need to investigate. You need to, you need to spend time with them. You need to ask questions. Find someone who is a little, spiritually a little more mature than you are. Ask the questions. When they run out of answers, then they'll find them for you or they'll say, hey, why don't you go talk to, and you'll just ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Seek the truth. Study the facts. Jesus made statements, okay, about who he was. And you say, well, you know, I, here's what I come to believe. I kind of believe that Jesus just, he was a, nice, a really nice guy. I'm not sure he was God, but he was a really nice guy. Let me tell you something. That, don't, don't hide behind that. Jesus was either a complete and utter liar, 
Okay, a liar. He's the son of God, rose from the dead. He could, he could heal people, he could do this, he could do that. He claimed all, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He led billions of people into one big fat lie. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, okay, that somehow talked people into things, because I guess he was a lunatic who talked really well, okay, or, or, he's the Lord. He's not a good person. He's not a good man if he lied to people and he was a lunatic. That make sense? Don't hide behind. Seek out. He said this. Here's what he said. Study it for yourself. Come and see. Jesus said, come and see for yourself. Don't take anybody else's word for it. Come and see for yourself. Investigate it for yourself. God wants us all to consider personally a relationship with Christ. Come and see for yourself. It's a personal invitation to every single one of us. And here's the thing. You say, well, you know what? I've been to churches. The church that you were a part of isn't Jesus. The, the friends that you had, the relatives that you had that you felt were hypocrite, they were hypocritical. They're not Jesus. The pastor, that pastor of that other church, or that pastor, blah, blah, blah. He's not Jesus. I find it fascinating, and hear my heart here, but I find it fascinating how people will choose to reject God based upon someone they looked, they saw, this person said, I'm a Christian, and so, and they're a hypocrite. They were so hypocritical. They said one thing and did another, and you reject God completely. Isn't that convenient? You pick the weakest person, Christian, you can find. You base your whole belief in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he didn't say, come and see all the people around me and see how awesome they are. He said, come and see. See for yourself. Me, not everybody else. So first off, it is kind of convenient or kind of lame, all right, to deny belief in God or in Jesus Christ because somebody you know said they were a Christian and you're basing your faith upon them. You're basing your belief upon their lack of conviction or something. I got something for you. Hear me out. Hear my heart. Here, do this. I say you base your belief on how I live. Follow my, Paul said it, Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I'm not being arrogant, I'm just saying if you're going to do that, then I challenge you to follow me. When it comes to, you're going to judge Jesus on someone, why don't you judge him on a person that, I'll throw myself out there. Because here's what's going to happen, I am going to fall short. I am going to do things that you'll look at and go, golly, what's up with that? But what will happen is when you do come to me, I'll say, hey, Boy, I just, man, I just messed up. I'm really, really sorry. I really apologize for what I've done. I'm, I'm not perfect. I do my best, but, and I'll teach you how to forgive. I'll teach you what it is to ask for forgiveness. Because I'm not perfect, right? I'll, I'll show you how when I make a mistake, I repent and ask God to forgive me. I'll lead you through my, through my own stupidity. But that doesn't make me a hypocrite. But all I'm saying is, listen, if you're going to base your foundation of your belief on the person who is a hypocrite and you can say, whoa, that person did this, why not, why can't, why don't you base it on Mother Teresa or, or Billy Graham or Ravi Zacharias or someone who's lived an exemplary life? Why don't you say, the reason I, I follow Jesus is because of how that person lives their life. We don't do that. People do the opposite. Oh, a bunch of hypocrites. Seriously, I love you to death. Hear my heart. That is lame. Okay, that's just lame. It's not intellectual. It's not, it, I don't know what it is, but it's. It, 
But what it does tell us, I'll go a little side, a little side note here. What it does tell us, it tells us as followers of Jesus Christ that that's how human beings behave. Okay, we all behave that we judge things based upon, oh, that person is a part of this party, so therefore there we do that as humans. Okay, we do that, and we shouldn't. But we do, which means we as followers of Jesus Christ, okay, need to try to live according to the way God would call us to live so that we don't lead other people astray. So we don't act like hypocrites and lead people who are weaker in their faith to walk away going, man, this is, I trusted this person. This is how they behaved. So we are accountable to that, but I'm, I'm kind of looking at both sides. Don't do that because that's not what the Bible calls you to do if you're following after someone. Okay, don't judge Christ on other people and also live your life in such a way that you lead people to Christ and not away from him. The book of John invites us to ask the question, who is Jesus? Okay, who is he and why should I follow him? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus and why should I follow after him? This leads to another really important question. Do you remember when you first started following Jesus Christ? Do you remember that? And then... The follow-up question, who are the people in your faith journey, in your faith story, who played the most significant role in your decision to follow Jesus Christ? Because all along the way, okay, all along the way, like I said, there are people that we're supposed to be, we're, we're, it was the recommendation of Philip that brought his brother. It was, uh, that brought Nathaniel. It was the recommendation of Andrew that brought Peter, right? It was a recommendation of John that brought the disciples to follow Jesus in the first place. So who was it in your faith story? Think about it. There were people in your faith story. I don't care if you're starting out right now or way down the road there were people in my faith story patty was one one of the first she was the first and then from there it was rich thomas the youth pastor and other people along the way who were the people that had a significant impact on your decision to follow jesus christ who got you started down that spiritual path god usually worked through specific people to draw us into a relationship with himself it's people who are who are saying you got to come and see. Come, listen, don't don't judge God by me. Come, come come and see. When I was when I was first a believer, I drove my family crazy, and I boy now I'm like oh brother. Um, they, most of them are followers of Christ because I basically wore them out. They're like oh, okay, I follow Jesus. Just stop talking. Um, no, that's not that's not why. But you know, there is always people. God uses the people in your life to draw you into a relationship with Himself, to draw you into that. He uses ordinary people. It's really cool because. That's what happened in our story this morning. John got the ball rolling by confessing. He confessed, right? Look, the Lamb of God. John made a confession. He said, look, the Lamb of God. You say, what do you mean he made a confession? What does it mean to make a confession? Well, what I mean by that was that he declared personally and publicly that Jesus was the Son of God. That's what he was doing. He declared it. He said it. Okay, Jesus publicly and, 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 and just personally that Jesus is the son of God. We are called to confess Christ. If you're a follower, you are called to confess Jesus Christ. You're called both in your by your words and by your actions. I was picking on people who do that before. All right. But I'm going to swing back over here. The pendulum's going to swing. 
We are to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. When people see us, they should, they, it should be a reflection. We should reflect. We should reflect like a mirror, reflect Jesus to other people. That's our responsibility. They're not going to pull out a card in heaven and say, well, this person was a hypocrite and that's why it's not going to work. But at the same time, we're going to be judged for saying we're followers of Jesus and then not behaving that way because of the impact that it has on other people's lives. We need to live like followers of Jesus Christ, like ambassadors for Jesus Christ. John, okay, confessed publicly and personally that Jesus was the son of God by his words and through his actions. That's why... When we come to belief in Jesus Christ that we're baptized, that we are baptized. Baptism is a public affirmation, a public proclamation that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. Why do you think people are baptized in public? How many people here were baptized in a closet with no one there? Anybody? Come on, admit it. Got the bucket in your closet and you went down in by yourself, you know what I mean? Hey, you were all, it was like you and God. Praise the Lord, I can baptize in a garbage can in the closet. That never happened to anyone. It's public. And even we do a private baptism here at Grace Chapel, because some people, they need a private baptism for whatever reason, and there are a lot of good reasons. It's still friends and family that are there. Why? Because it's a public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ. I am also... I'm picking on you guys this morning. That's okay, because I love you and you love me. I am also not a big fan of, uh, see, my faith is private. My faith, so I, want you to, I want you to take what we've learned this morning, just what we've learned this morning, and listen to this. My faith is private. It's just private. My faith, I don't share Christ with other people. I don't talk about, I don't talk about anything in my, my, my faith, my life of faith, because my faith is personal. It's personal. It's real. It's so personal. I just keep it all bundled up into myself. Instead of me telling you why I don't appreciate that kind of language, let me just quote Jesus because he's got more authority and more sway than I do. Matthew ten thirty two and thirty three. Jesus said, "Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven." But whoever disowns me before others, I will also disown before my Father in heaven. Okay? We need to share. You, you got good news, right? If you have good news, what do you do? You share it, right? How many women have you ever seen in your life who got engaged and did this for the next couple of weeks? No, they walk around like this. Everybody's going, what's wrong with that person? They walk around like, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, people walk up to them. First thing they do. Right? It's like, you know, it's like something, look at something, you know, involuntary thing in her arm. They, that's because it's good news. They should do that. They're sharing great news. Good news needs to be shared. Good news needs to be expressed. That's what God wants us to do. You don't keep good news hidden, okay? Good news is there to be shared. If you have a gift, God's gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, needs to be given away. He gave you the free gift of Jesus Christ in your life. Now He wants you to give that gift away. If God gives you a free gift and He says give to others, you're supposed to give gifts away, right? 
Remember that Sunday school song? Some of you, I didn't grow up in Sunday. I didn't go to Sunday school because I got saved when I was uh, almost 18 years old. But I remember them singing this when I was teaching there. Hide it under a bushel. Now, see, that's not the way it goes, right? Now, go back about 30 years in your life, right? I'm going to sing it again, and then you say it the right way. Hide it under a bushel. Now, one more time. Hide it under a bushel. These sides aren't really saying no. Are you letting it shine? All right. Let's do it one more time. Hide it under a bushel. See, now we're talking. I'm going to let it shine. Now you know where Jen gets it from. See that? See that how nicely that I, I sang that song? I, I can dance too. No, but hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. You let it shine. It's good news. Okay? God loves... You say, I'm not into Jesus. Jesus is into you. Okay? He's into you. He loves you. You're awesome to Him. You're, you're, you're special to Him. You're unique. He created you and designed you for something specific. And He wants you to be in relationship with Him because it's like plugging into the wall and all the power coming through the plug and the light lights up. It shows you who, He shows you who you really are, who you were meant to be. So you may not be into Christ, but Christ is into you. God is into you. We gotta let it shine. We need to tell other people the good news of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives when we confess Jesus Christ here's what happens we we are awakening the hearts of others to consider him come and see come and see check it out check it out for yourself don't take my word for it you come and see our testimonies our testimonies are an invitation to consider the one who has touched our lives and changed our hearts when we when we share testimonies when you say, this is what God has done in my life, this is not that difficult, honestly. I'm not saying take your Bible to work tomorrow and break it out in Romans Road. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying what you say to people in, in regular conversation. Yeah, God changed my life. What do you mean? Well, my gosh, I would before, this is what I was like. And now, I mean, my anger issues are going away. I can't believe it. Things that I worked on, all, all of a sudden, God is doing things in my life. You're just telling your story. No one minds hearing someone's story. This is how God answered my prayer. They said I had a 20% chance of survival. Here I am. Okay? Doctors are shocked. Shocked. But here I am. It's your story. You, tell, you just tell your story. It may be just that you invite people to a life group or to an impact group or to your Bible study or to church or to, you're just inviting them. You got to check it out. We're doing this series right now. I think you'd really enjoy it. You should check it out. Ah, church isn't for me. You should give it a shot. Just give it a shot. I'll hang with you. I'll sit with you. Hang out. Why? Because you love them. I'll go back, man. You don't need to coerce people into loving Christ, okay? Into giving Christ, giving their lives to Christ. You don't have to coerce them. You don't have to trick them. You don't have to... Just say, come and see. Come and see. And don't you dare... I'm saying this from my own heart. Don't you dare look at someone and say, oh, that person... That, that person would never respond to the gospel. You saw me when I was 17 years old. I was, I was mad at the world, man. I, my, I've told you guys this before. My philosophy of life, well thought through, was I hate everyone I don't know and I hate most people I do know. And here I am. I love you guys to death. I love everyone I don't know. And I love, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, 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 it's changed my life. It changed my life completely. 
Don't judge people by their appearance, okay? You have no, you have no idea what people have been through. And people who are, people who are grown up and have been abused in some way and they're angry, they don't deny the existence of God, they're ticked off at Him. They're ticked. They're angry at God. Like, I don't believe in God. They believe in God. They're just peeved at Him. And you've got to get close enough to people to realize there's a lot of anger going on toward God. It's not a matter of not believing in God. They're ticked off at him. You've got to walk them through that. They know there's a God. They're just mad. And, and honestly, all what they know of God, they're like, hey, why did I have to go through this? If there's a God, why? But they're asking the question. We need to be able to answer the question. We've got to lead people closer into a relationship with Christ to have those questions answered because there are answers to people's questions. There are only a few things that people ask that you don't have an answer to. Like, how does the, what is the Trinity? How does the Trinity work? Well, I don't know. I mean, there are certain things you believe by faith. But the fact that you're sitting here, okay, takes more faith to believe. It takes more faith to believe that there's no God and, and, and nothing created everything than God is the first cause of all things. Let's start with that, okay? But there's most questions can be answered. These people just need to ask them. So when we testify to the work of God in our lives, we're investing in other people. We're inviting other people to do the same thing, to do the same thing. Here's the cool deal. God chooses ordinary people. He chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in other people's lives. God uses ordinary people and he uses ordinary circumstances to lead others into a relationship with him. Like when you are having a conversation with your neighbor at the fence. And you say anything like, you know, I, you know, we, I just got back from this mission trip, work with these orphans. It was awesome. It was, have you been on a mission trip before? Well, no, I haven't. Boy, I think you'd really like it. You got a lot of skills that I think we could use. And when we go down there and work on facilities, you should try it sometime. The next time we have a mission trip, I'll let you know the date. So if you don't, you can't go, it's okay. But at least get the conversation going, right? Talking about orphans. Who doesn't want to talk about orphans? Most people, they will, they'll talk about it. Or when, you're, when you invite people over to, to have a meal. Friends, neighbors, relatives, doesn't matter. And you pray. I remember when I, when I worked at Exxon, I, 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 we had a guy coming, uh, not my supervisor, but the person above him. Our stations were doing pretty well, so he wanted to come down and just check out what was going on. We went out to lunch, and I, I said, you care if I pray? And he was like, no. And I prayed, and he said, you know, I, that's really cool because I, right, people don't pray anymore. My grandfather used to pray before every meal, and I really appreciate it. took me back. When I went to Washington recently, one thing I said to myself before I went to Washington and being around that group of people was, I am not going to hide. I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. No, at all. You, you're inviting me. You know I'm a pastor. And if I get an opportunity to share the love of Christ with somebody, if I get to talk about Jesus or I get to talk about God in some way, I'm taking the opportunity. I am not going to be, oh, gee, if I bring that up now, what if they don't like it? What if they don't invite me back? If they don't invite me back, I don't care. What I care about is that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, whether I'm in Washington or in Cincinnati or I'm on vacation or wherever I am. We've got to love God and we've got to share the love of God with other people because they need him. It's not, it's not any coercion. It, 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 they need him. God loves them and they need him. He chooses to work through the ordinary circumstances of our lives and that's cool. Here's the cool thing. That means every one of us can participate. And hear me out, guys. My friend Patty, who invited me, I've told you this before, her theology was awful. Okay? I go back. She got nothing right, theologically. But look where I'm standing. 
She loved me enough to invite me to church. People at church, she was only there for a couple of months. What could she know? She knew that she loved God and she knew enough about Jesus to say, why don't you come check it out? Come and see. Come and see, Jeff. Come and see. Well, I like you so as a friend, so I'll, I'll come and see. We get to participate. Here's, here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect when you share God's love with other people. You need to be honest and authentic. Don't trick them. Don't tell them. Honest, don't tell people when, you, when, you, when God comes into your life, all your problems go away. No, they will not. You just have someone there to help you through your problems. They're not going away. But just be honest and be authentic. The fact is that, the people, that people are more likely to consider Jesus if they hear it from someone that they know, right, in the very beginning of our story. They're more likely to consider Christ if the recommendation comes from someone that they know loves them and they trust. That means that the people you have the best chance of introducing to Christ are those that you, that you know already and that you have a trust relationship with and just share with family. Doesn't matter. Family, friends, neighbors. The best chance you have of sharing the love of Christ with someone is the people that you already know. Evangelism, evangelism, sharing Christ happens best through relationship. Just through just through relationship. Jesus asked John, John's disciples, who are you looking for? Or what are you looking for? That's what he asked them. And honestly, he asks us the exact same question. He asked every single person in this room the exact same question. What are you looking for? Because the reality is, whether people acknowledge it or not, everyone is looking for something. They're all looking for something. I'm going to paraphrase Pascal. Pascal said there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person that only God can fill. In every person. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every human on the planet that only God can fill. And that is so true. Whether we realize it or not, everyone is looking for something. Every person on the planet was created by God to need Him and to be in a relationship with Him. If you're sitting here and you're, and you're wondering who this Jesus is, He invites you to follow Him. He invites you to get to know him. Don't take it from me. Don't take my word. Okay, honestly, don't take the word of the pastor. Come and see. Come and follow him. Get just get to get to know him. Eventually, eventually, Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. Because he created you and he knows you better than you know yourself and he will guide you and direct you your whole life and you will fulfill the purpose for which you were created in Christ. You will not outside of him. And that all starts where our story started this morning. It all starts right where our story started this morning with Jesus initial response to John's two disciples. What did he say? Come And see, and that's what Jesus is saying to all of you this morning. Come and see. Come and see. Spend time with me. Get to know me. Okay? Seek truth. I'm asking you guys, seek truth. Because if you, if I can get you to seek truth, I know you're going to find God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, just to honestly to share the love of your son Jesus Christ with other people I love every single person in this room Lord God I want the best for their lives I want to invest in them I want them to grow I want them to fulfill everything that you have for them I want them to dream 
I want them to have vision. I want them, Lord God, to, to just become the man or the woman, the child that you created them to be. And that can happen if I just encourage them to come and see who you are and what you're like. To seek out truth. Because we all know when we seek truth, we will find you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.